thank you so much, Greg, for joining me today on the Wave Capital's guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. You're my 37th guest. Thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Lucky 37, right? Uh, should be your best one. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And you were the 1995 ACC Rookie of the Year, uh, former NBA player. Now you're the associate head coach at the Cleveland Cavaliers. Greg, Coach Buckner, when you think of relationship building in a team environment, what does relationship building mean to you? Well, I think the most important thing is trying to get a group of individuals, whether it's you know older guys, younger kids, people in the business world, people in the sports world, you got to get uh, across to everybody that we all have to be selfless, right? We all have to understand that we have to sacrifice some kind of way, even in families, right? In some kind of way in order for everybody to drive, right? The greater good, the, the greater good of the team is, is much more important than the greater good of yourself. And if you can get that across, you know, even to, you know, 75 to 90 percent, because we know there's going to be some small percentage of people just can't get it. Now, as soon as you can, you got to try to weed those guys out or women out. Um, but the more, uh, the higher the percentage of the people on that team that you have doing those selfless things, the better chance that your team, your organization is going to be highly successful and, and a place where people want to be a part. And when you were first, you know, starting out, you know, as a young guy, when did you realize that you wanted to play basketball and that was going to be part of your journey? I knew I wanted to play basketball at a very young age, probably three, four. My mom and dad played in high school and um, it's kind of in my DNA. And then uh, I'm old school. Uh, my grandmother, when she she uh, kind of raised me and she used to clean homes and I used to go around with her and clean homes when I was like anywhere from like two to six at the time. And to keep me out of the way, she would just put a clo empty clothes back in the corner and give me and bring my basketball, which was a little rubber ball back then, and just say, go in the corner and shoot the ball. And I kind of fell in love with it that way. Now, when I thought I wanted to play professional basketball, I'm a little different in that way. I never thought I was going to play professional basketball growing up. I just wanted to go to college and play on CBS on Sundays and in my four years, get my degree and go back home moment you know maybe be the assistant high school coach and, and work in a factory as a as a manager instead of as a floor worker so that was my journey and then once you get to college and like you said you become ACC rookie of the year you say you know what you might can get paid doing this job and I really took it serious and focused on trying to get to the NBA and talk about your mentors you know in high school and college you know you mentioned your parents you mentioned your grandmother big influence on your life and I'm sure she was a mentor to you as well and talk to me about your mentors you might have had in high school and in college and about your teammates as well. Yeah, in high school, I was one of those guys who kind of was better than everybody at a very young age. And the reason why is because I played with older guys from when I was 11 years old on up because I was you know, I was always taller than the kids my age for the most part. So I would play with older guys. And, and those guys back in the day had either played high school and some guys had went to junior college and you know, they just roughed me up and taught me how to play. And it's like, you know, you're not going to get to shoot. You know, you're the young kid. So do all the little things. So that whole group, that whole generation in my hometown kind of mentored me and helped me out with those things. And then once I got to high school, I had a guy named Chris Whitney who actually played in the NBA. He lived right across the street from me. And he was one of the reasons why I didn't think I would play in the NBA. It, and, and not because he was trying to tell me I could, but because we came from a small town. He made it to the NBA lived on the same street, lived right across the street. There's like, there's no way two of us are going to go to the NBA. I just, you know, the way the numbers pan out. So I was like, but he mentored me uh, on how to work, how to compete, you know, how to get in the gym, at, you know, two or three times a day, uh, whether we was playing uh, open gym at, at the rec center, and then we would work out, then we play open gym at night at the, one of the high schools. So he mentored me to put the work in. Uh, and then when I got to college, he did the same thing. He was in the NBA. He brought me to Atlanta in the, in the offseason to work out with other NBA guys and, and to get that that feel of, you you know, can you hang with these guys? And once you have, you know, a couple of good summers against those guys, now you don't dominate by any means, but you are part of helping those teams win in the summer. You feel like you got a chance. And he really helped me out. And then, you know, when I got to the NBA, I got lucky and got a bunch of good veterans on that team. And then. We didn't win many games, but they taught me how to be a pro. They taught me how to work. They taught me how to take care of my body. Michael Finley, Steve Nash, uh, Gary Trent, Sean Bradley, Hubert Davis, you know, 
um, Robert Pack, you know, Cedric Sabalas, all these guys I still kind of talk to, except for probably uh, Hubert and, and Sean. You know, if we see each other, we'll speak. But those other guys I still talk to, and that's just because they just made a, a lasting and and. and impression on my life especially my basketball life and you know we laugh and joke and crack <laughs> crack on each other all the time and they made sure that I was going to be successful in the NBA and not for just one year but you know get a you know eventually end up being a 10-year career. Absolutely you mentioned some special players I love the synergies and I love the commonalities you know amongst you know former players current players I mean you mentioned Cedric Spalls I had uh Head coach uh, Del Harris on my podcast, oh, very yeah. close to Cedric Spalls. Mentioned Hubert Davis, and Hubert Davis is now the men's basketball coach, University of North Carolina, my alma mater. Um, uh, you mentioned cool. Chris Whitney, who yeah. played with Michael Jordan on the Washington Wizards. I'm, right, right. You know, it, it, and Sean Bradley, you know, he was also uh, featured with Michael in Space Jam, obviously. Uh, right. I remember that. I remember that team, you know, growing up. Uh, and you know, what a special group of players. Do you remember specific conversations, you know, whether it was with Gary Trent or Michael Finley, Robert Pack? Oh, yeah, for sure. Do you remember specific conversations where, wow, you know, this is relationship building working at its best? Yeah, I think one of the times, a couple of funny stories, like, you know, A.C. Green was one of those old school vets. Like, I'm old school, but he was one of those old school vets. And he was on that team early, uh, in the season, I'm just coming out of college. You know, you're the man. You know, people are telling you, you slice bread, and 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 you're still a little afraid when you get to the NBA for the first time. Do I really belong? And 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 AC Green was one of those guys. Like he would, you know, Melly would come in and say, "Okay, Brooks, put the balls up. Let's get ready to go." AC Green would throw the ball all over the gym and say, "Rook, go get the ball." And it was like, "Oh my God! Like what are we doing?" And and I was frustrated. And I was like, I, I just want to go home, you know, just forget about this. And uh, Gary Trent, he was, he said beside me in the locker, he, we had lockers side by side. And he's like, look, Rook, ain't nothing at home for you. Uh, just keep fighting. This will get better. <laughs> this is what we all go through. And that opened up my eyes. Like, you know, I'm not the only one that went through this or going through this. There's other rookies in the NBA going through this right now. Uh, these other guys that are vets have been through this. They, uh, fall through it and they're no tougher than you mentally and physically so you can handle this and and he continued to remind me that you're okay you'll be okay you can handle this it's, you got a long future a bright future in this business and, and that really helped me and that when he did that for me having my back I had to have his back I felt like I had to have his back on the court and that made us a, you know a better team in those situations Michael Finley I would dress a certain way for practice and dress a certain way for the games. And, you know, you're 21, 22. You want to be the cool kid. He put me aside and said, no, Rook, we don't dress like that. You know, professionals don't dress like that. And he bought me my first 10 suits. Um, and, you know, I'm when somebody does that for you, you're forever indebted to him. He obviously taught me how to dress. And then he taught me how to be a professional uh, and doing things the right way. And, and those two guys really opened my eyes and those two stories that, um, that I just – really remember that it those two things helped me become a successful basketball player and now you know a successful basketball coach absolutely and you were a part of a very special team and it's wonderful to hear stories about how you know michael finley or you know others would pull you aside and teach you the things that you know nba players were adopting as professionals you know how you dress you know definitely how you carry yourself mm -hmm. uh, in the public eye uh, you mentioned you know, Don Nelson, uh, your former coach, what type of mentor was he to you? Nelly was one of those guys, man. Um, I, I caught Nelly at the right time because he was still intense, still willing to teach young guys because he because we was a young team. Actually, all those guys I, I brought up, except for maybe Hubert Davis, he was probably his ninth or tenth year at the time. But the rest of us was, you know, four years younger. So he still was in the teaching mode. But he had been through the wars and understood understood that you teach the young guys different than you do old guys. And and so Nelly was one of those guys is like an uh, offensive genius, man. He figured out mismatches. And no matter what your skill set was, he could figure out a way to take advantage of the defense with you. And he showed me those things offensively. And, you know, I still kind of, you know, you know, one day when I become a head coach, I got in, the, you know, my book, my offensive book is 
some things that Nelly did 25, 30 years ago that I know can still work that people don't use now. And, you know, he, he, you know, allowed me to be me, you know, he didn't force me to do something. The only thing he forced me to do was shoot open jump shots. He said, you have to shoot shots. If they get you an open shot, you got to shoot it. I mean, he cussed me out the first day of training camp. And, I was, and, and then once I look back on it, I was like, that was the right thing to do because he understood that in the NBA. Now, and I tell these young guys down too, it's like, Somebody get your open shot. No matter when it is, you got to take that shot because if you don't, it's going to mess up the offense for the rest of that possession. So Nelly was a genius. His son, uh, Nelly Jr., really, you know, took a liking to me and showed me things and put me under his arm and said, look, Buck, you're going you're gonna to be okay here. You know, uh, do things the right way, keep playing hard, and we'll make sure you, you'll be successful. Yeah, absolutely. And and I mentioned Del Harrison. He and Coach Nelson have a very strong relationship going back to the mm-hmm. Mavericks. Uh, when you think about um, how you were a young guy, young player back, yeah. back then and, you know, playing for Don Nelson and playing with all those guys, when you're a coach now and you see, you know, whether it's the Cavaliers or any other NBA team, uh, it's a younger league. It's been a younger league. It's not as – except for those, you know, vets, um, you know, in recent years who would have 15, 20-year careers. I mean, you know, LeBron – He's yeah. probably the most tenured player, um, and, or one of the most, rather. And when you when you think about how the game is played today, is it more offense, less defense? I mean, it seems like there aren't those set plays. You know, just me being the observer, me being the fan right. watching, you know, NBA games in recent years as I've gotten older. It doesn't have the same style as, let's say, the 90s, 80s, and even before. Right. Um, more offense and, you know, quick you know, pace, you know, getting the ball off the floor, trying to score buckets quickly. Now, there are great defensive players, no doubt about it. Um, but now the five position is more mobile and flexible, where back in the day, the five position guy was probably like, you know, have his feet planted in, in the in the key and, you know, he protect the rim. But just from your perspective as a foreign player and now as the associate head coach of Cleveland Cavaliers, what has changed or what has evolved in the game that you've seen, uh, things that you like, things that you wish were different, and how has relationship building evolved too in the NBA? Yeah, well, you know, it's funny because you brought up Dale Harris in the beginning. Like, I, Dale Harris coached me in Dallas too. He was an assistant coach there the first time with Nelly, and then I came back to Dallas. He still was there with, with Avery Johnson. And, and and we called him the professor, right? But he was a, a genius. You know, they was a match made in heaven because he was a genius on D. Nelly was a genius on offense. So even then, when teams were playing defense, it drove uh, Coach uh, Dale crazy because it wasn't still it wasn't enough defense being played. And then I go to do TV, and I'm working with Dale on TV too, and he still is drawing up plays at Buck. Do you remember this? So that relationship that we built, we built as him as a as a uh, coach and me as a player, continued to grow. You know, 20 years later, n- neither one of us I don't think thought we would be doing TV. You know what I mean? And we're doing TV together and we're teaching these younger producers in TV or these older producers sometimes in TV and the, our co-hosts in TV about basketball and building this team. Even on TV, we're a team. Uh, nobody sees the producer and the director and, and, and the, the graphics and all those people, but they're part of the team to make us look good on TV. And, and, and the co-host you know, makes us look good and we try to make her look good. And so, again, team building because of what we went through in basketball was really good and because we could communicate to each other and they could be critical of me and not I not get sensitive and vice versa. Uh, so that was really good. And then, you know, the style of play now is for sure different. But I think that's the way the NBA wants it. I think the NBA understands that nobody, for the most part, us as old school people love watching the slow drag out game. But, you know, the, the average fan doesn't want to watch that. And that's understandable. You still got to play defense. Like we all, we obviously know if you want to win a championship, you got to be able to score the basketball and play defense. So it's two sides of that coin. But for the most part, yeah, you're right. Fives are moving. Fives are shooting threes. But it starts when they're kids before they even get to the NBA. And so many trainers right now are training these kids because you don't know who's going to be seven foot. You don't know who's going to be six feet. Uh, you know, there's some parents that's very small, have a big old son and vice versa. So you got to be able to do everything. And the bigger you are, the more versatile you are, the better you are. And, the, you know, that's why Giannis is dominating. That's why the Joker is dominating. And Embiid, they're dominating. You know, back in the day, those guys would have been back to the basket, shoot a jump hook, drop step, dunk. You know what I mean? Now it's no, 
get on the perimeter, shake and bake, shoot a three, make a no-look pass. And it's fun for the fans. It, you know, obviously it frustrates the, the defensive coaches at times because they're like, what are we going to do with that? You know what I mean? But you figure out a scheme and build around your system to try to stop those type guys. And talk to me about your coaching staff in Cleveland and, and the team that you're uh, helping lead. Uh, what is so special about the Cleveland Cavaliers in your eyes? And I know that you're very prideful because you get to coach a great group of guys, you know, day in and day out. What's yeah. so special about this particular team? And what have you learned so much uh, in coaching despite, you know, having learned from coaches, you know, growing up and being a player and, and whatnot, but what have you learned as an actual coach yourself getting to yeah. know, this generation of players? Uh, you know, as a coach, you, you learn how to study the basketball game. You know, when you were just playing, when you play, you just play the game and you go off field and, and you, you, you just react to what the other team does right now. As a coach, you go in there and you have a plan. Like, this is what they're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And guys, I promise you, they're going to do this, and they and and we're going to do this, and it's going to be successful. <laughs> and they look at you and they laugh and joke with you. They tell me I talk too much. You know, they mess with me all the time. So that's you know, go back to the original, the first part of your question is what makes us special is that we love to laugh <laughs> with each other, at each other. I mean, we joke on each other like Darius jokes on JB, JB jokes on Jared Allen, Jared Allen jokes on Greg Buckner. Uh, Greg Buckner jokes on Kobe Altman. I mean, it is an environment where we have nothing but positivity. Now, obviously, we get on them and make sure they do things the right way. But, uh, you know, part of the way we get on them, it is a joke. And then everybody laughs and then everybody understands. And now it's serious. You got to get 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 to your spots is what we say. You know what I mean? Make sure you show your length. And, and they love it. We love it. And, you know, we all enjoy it because it's not one of those places where, you know, you walk on eggshells all the time you know it's like no you're gonna do your job you're gonna do it the right way but you're gonna get joked on when, when it happens when you mess up you're gonna, we're gonna let you know and everybody's gonna look at it and be ready for the joke and, and nobody gets sensitive and it makes for a positive environment and a group of guys that wants to be here they tell other people now other people you know come up to myself and jb doing the game like, man how can i come over there and be a cleveland cavalier it's like well we're good right now <laughs> yeah we'll talk to you later right now we're good with our team man so it's just that, that that positive energy and that laughter and, and no sensitivity within the locker room, within the organization that really makes it a special place. Absolutely. And it's so great that, you know, you all could be yourselves and it really brings out, you know, the liveliness and the just the ability to just, you know, not have to be so serious, you know, all the time. Now, you guys are in a very serious profession. You're serious professionals. Right. You've got to be on your A game every day. But to be you know, where you can just, you know, be yourself and be able to, you know, laugh and, 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 you know, build strong friendships and strong relationships because, you know, off the court, there's a lot of bonding time as well as on the court. And it's just, right. just as important. What types of things do you guys like to do as a team, you know, when it, you're not on the court and you're not in, in practice? Yeah. Well, I think the, the obvious thing is like, when we're on the road, the coaches, uh, for the most part, we'll go to dinner together. You know, we we'll try to build that bond and 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 eat dinner together and have some 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 good food on coach. We let coach pay for dinner because <laughs> he, he's making the big money. Yeah, you know I mean those things. And then you know, obviously, we do community service things. And obviously, we we do things in the, at, at the uh, uh, the practice facility, not just on the basketball court, but we get together. We do position meetings. You know, to build uh, team bonding. Uh, uh, Every NBA team is required to do uh, community service things. I think our guys and our staff, we do a little more than what is required for, from us because we understand that, you know, you got to give back. You got to see what's out there in, in your community to appreciate your community and to appreciate each other and understand each other's um, likes and desires and what people want to do within within the team, what they want to do outside of basketball. So we do some of those things. Coach likes to do uh Top off like the team bond and things like that. Uh, you know, nothing crazy, but things that you know you got to do and got to be around each other off the court uh, in order to be successful on the court. Definitely. And you mentioned a lot about, you know, community service. And that's so great that, you know, the NBA, you know, the motto NBA cares. And I love that, you know, you speak well and highly of community service because it's the most important 
selfless thing that any human being can do, you know, giving back to your community, you know, giving back to the people who matter uh, the most and uh, people who really support you throughout the year, uh, whether it's fans or even just the city of Cleveland. What What is the city right. of Cleveland? You know, what has that meant to you as 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 a as a person? Yeah, it's one of those things, right? My kids are in high school right now in Cleveland, so I get to, you know, go around, especially my son who plays basketball. My daughters play volleyball, and, you know, everybody knows I'm an assistant coach, one of the assistant coaches for um, the Cavaliers. So, you know, the girls, friends, and, and parents, you know, they want to, you know, talk basketball. And, you know, and sometimes you don't want to talk basketball, but you understand how these people have been in Cleveland their whole lives. It's the Browns, the Cavaliers, the Indi- the Guardians now. They live and die for those teams. You know what I mean? So when they get a chance to talk and 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 throw out suggestions, you know, they're going to do it. And, and, and it's a lot of times there's a lot of fun. And I mean, like, you know, I'm just an assistant coach. I can't do that. I'm not the general manager. I can't uh, cut somebody or bring somebody in, which they, you know, fans are never happy with your team completely. Like, we got to get this. We got to get that. And it's like, nah, and then that coach, but you're doing a good job. And, and when they say something like that, it makes you – smile, uh, laugh a lot, and it makes you understand and appreciate it, that you're in a great situation, not just in the organization, but the city who really supports you, who really has your back, and who really wants you to be successful because they've been there their whole lives and they live, <laughs> eat, and breathe, you know, Cleveland sports. It's really an unbelievable city when it comes to sports. They really love their teams. They really love their coaches. And since I have, since I've been there, no one said y'all need to be fired. Nobody said anything like that. It's like, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Uh, we're so young. We can't believe we're doing it this quick and this way. And the guys just seem to have fun on the basketball court and they really enjoy watching this play. That's great. Uh, and that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, I, I know that you had said that, you know, it's been a, a tough week of basketball. Uh, you're trying to get back into the win column. When you go through experiences as a coach and you experienced it, and like every other player who ever played in the NBA or any other sport, you know, you experience the wins, you experience the losses. So seeing wins and losses as a player and seeing wins and losses as a coach, how do you respond differently? You know, coaches have to, you know, assure the players that everything is going to be okay and that, you know, we'll just pick back up, you know, where we left off when we were winning games and, you know, we'll turn these things around. What have you seen this week of basketball where you guys have been on a losing streak? What are things that you're telling your players to get you back in the win column? Yeah. I mean, I think as a player, when you, when you're going through this thing, because a lot of us, you know, when I played, I was fortunate enough to have, you know, some guaranteed contracts for a few years and things like that. And I was like, well, you know, I'll get them next time. You know what I mean, it's really casual and nonchalant. It's like, okay, I'll shoot some more jump shots and all that stuff. And you just think, you know, you can turn it around um, because you're going to be out there and you'll figure it out when you get out there. But we'll be okay is what you tell yourself as a player. But as a coach, being a former player, you don't have the, the same uh, – power to change the game because you're not playing and you know that you know what i mean so you worry more you do more study you watch more film you have more conversations with the guys and as a player i'm pretty sure they're like i don't want to see buck right now <laughs> i'm tired of talking to buck right now uh but you understand that like okay when you lose it's because you know nine times out of ten in the nba you know there's not many blowouts they're always close games so you probably lost because three four five possessions maybe six at the most when you're a good team like we are uh, so let's cut up these six possessions, right? Let's make sure that, you know, we don't do these these things, these bad things again in these same situations that we know we're going to see again because it's the NBA. You know, these things happen all this, these situations happen all the time. So let's clean this up like we did early in the season, like we did when we were winning, and we'll get back on the, on the winning path. But you guys got to listen. You guys got to, you know, be uh, willing to do the little things in order to win games. And and that's all you can do is watch more films, communicate, have these meetings with these guys and let them know that we're right there. It's not like we had three straight blowouts. It's not like we couldn't have won all three of these games. We just got to clean up a few things and we'll be okay. Talk to me about your family, you know, and how, you know, growing up seemed like you had a very close relationship with your grandmother. And mm-hmm. when you think about, you know, you being a father and, and your family, and I'm sure they've embraced um Cleveland and 
you know, what you do for the Cavaliers, you, you know, do an exceptional job of coaching. Uh, talk to me about the relationship building dynamics within your family. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. It's, it's really family. It's, it's tough being a part of a family for a coach, whether it's high school, college, or, or the pros, especially the pros. I mean, it's one of those things like we was just talking about this over Christmas uh, dinner with some uh, friends that came to eat dinner with us. It's like at one point for like five straight years, we moved. We moved from Houston to Dallas, from Dallas to Memphis. Um, couldn't find a house in Memphis, so we rented a place, then found a house, moved in the house, and they fired us the day we were moving into our house. We got fired in Memphis. Wow. <laughs> so sorry. Yeah, yeah it's, it's part of the business. You know, it's part of coaching, you know. Uh, and then we get to Cleveland, couldn't find a house. We rented again, then we found a house. And so now, so we've moved, actually, like, maybe not moved cities, but we had moved homes five years in a row. And, you know, and that's obviously, you know, my wife would – you know, it's the leader of the house. You know, I might be, I might be the man, but she's the leader of the house. She makes that thing go. So it's rough on her, right? You know, she, you know, I have built-in friends because I have coaches, I have players, I have front office people. Every day I'm going to see some adults. My kids have built-in friends because they go to school, they got sports. My wife doesn't have those opportunities. You know what I mean? So she goes through uh, a lot. So we have to find ways to, to, to build chemistry within the family me and her with our relationship we i you know i gotta try to do little things you gotta understand it's not all about basketball you know i gotta uh sometimes put her first and second and third and put basketball fourth uh, and sometimes fifth because you got to put the kids ahead of, of basketball at times so it, it, it can be it can be really rough but you know we have to focus and understand that you know um dad has this what everybody says in the house dad has a job he has to do this job you know, sometimes dad's not home for Christmas. Sometimes I'm not there for birthdays. A lot of times I'm not there for birthdays, to be honest with you. And but they all understand that now. They kind of accepted that this is the life we are we are in. And they love, you know, that they can go to private school. They love they can play club sports. So they don't complain too much. Uh, but it is something that we all have to be very we have to pay very attention to to make sure that we keep that close in that family. Because growing up, I always wanted to be in the same house for 50 years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, with the same girl for 200 years and kids and grandkids come over there and see Paul Paul, as I already named myself back then, <laughs> Paul Paul <laughs> sitting, on a, sitting on a front porch with a pipe in his mouth. But, you know, when you go into coaching, you don't do that. I mean, I've lived, and me and my wife, we lived in Dallas, we lived in Philly, we lived in Minnesota, we lived in Denver, we lived in Memphis, now Cleveland, Houston. And so, and our kids is, you know, my oldest daughter, she'll be 21 this month, and she's a uh, junior in college in North Carolina. And she actually goes to North Carolina, matter of fact. Plays volleyball in North Carolina, yeah. Wow, and, that's uh, awesome. Right, but she's only been in, in one place, one school, two years at the most. And, you know, right. a college, this is a third year in college, is the longest she's been at any school. And, and, and so she has a lot of friends, but she doesn't have a, a lot of close friends. So it's just tough that uh, on them at times, but they accepted it, and they've worked on it, and they've try to make the best out of it. Oh, and very important that, you know, a family, you know, stays grounded and everybody knows his or her role. And, you know, there is a mutual understanding knowing that, you know, you're providing for your family and it's a passion of yours to coach and you're a former player as well. And it's great when your family members are so supportive and although very difficult when you're away, you know, on birthdays or holidays, uh, that they know where your commitments are, and it's always like family first because they know that the profession you're in is, you know, providing for you and, you know, most importantly, uh, your family as well. Um, when you think about, you know, your aspirations, um, obviously, I would imagine being an associate head coach of the Cavaliers, that one day you'd like to be the head coach of uh, an NBA team. Um, do you ever think about that or are you, you know, one day at a time type of person, just see where uh, things, you know, naturally, you know, take its course? Oh, I, I think about it every day. Uh, every day I think about it. I think about what I would do different, what I would do uh, with my program. And, and I'm and, and I'm a guy who I would love to coach college as well because I want to make an, you know, help young, the next generation be better than what we were and be better men than what I uh, and you know in college you can really do that in college I think 
Uh, so I think about that every day. I think about what would I do in college if I'm a head coach? What would I do in the NBA if I'm a head coach? Because those are two different things, right? Th those programs are completely different on how you would do things. You know, one's built on recruiting. One's built on, you know, free agency is in the draft and things like that. One's built on an AD. One's built on a general manager. You know what I mean? One's built on the president. One's built on the own. You know what I mean? It's just so different things. You know, one's going to be built on family or you have to be the father figure to a lot of um, college kids. In the NBA, you just got to, you know, manage these kids and uh, manage these grown men who are fathers, you know what I mean, who are the father figure in their family. So the dynamic is different. So I definitely think about it. I actually write in my in my notebook every day. They they mess with me and talk about me for writing so much. They always writing or you always read. You know? It's like, I'm always trying to get better. So I do think about that. But I also don't want to rush it because I want, you know, you know, people ask me, would you take this job? And I was like, it's a bad job. That, that job's only going to get me fired. You know what I mean? And I'm not going to just take a bad job, you know what I mean, where it gets you fired. I want to take a job where you have a chance to be successful uh, and long-term success. You know, too many guys rush to take a job that's not good for you and not a good situation. And you end up not being able to be a head coach for, for one year. You don't get that opportunity again. So I definitely think about the good and the bad and how that would affect me, how that would affect my kids, you know, because if you're the head coach, Whenever you mess up, your family's going to have to deal with that. You know, whether it's at school, whether my wife is at the spa or at the hairdresser, somebody's going to have something to say about how bad the head coach did the night before. So I definitely think about those things every day. And, you know, that's really the opposite of relationship building, if you think about it at its core, because, you know, when you have – as a coach, you know, you, you might go through tough times and losing streaks and there's going to be, you know, disagreements of how, you know, games should be, you know, managed or, you know, if you're a manager, you know, coached, if you're a coach, played, if you're a player. Right. And everybody needs to, you know, really, you know, gather together, you know, assemble together and just, you know, figure it out together, you know, and, and right. that's where relationship building is its strongest when, you know, players or an organization faces, you know, the most adversity that they're able to, you know, find something within, you know, be creative, think outside the box, you know, try right. different things just, just to, you know, turn things around, right. To turn your luck around. But when you hear about the things that you share, and, and I've heard that before, that, and, it's no mystery, right? I mean, right. It can be a family member, whether your child's at school or your, like you say, your wife is out, you know, like you yeah. said, at the bar or the hairdresser. I mean, yeah, people are going to have comments. People are going to say, you know, not nice things, negative things. So, you know, for you as a person, how do you, how do you deal with that? You know, I mean, do you take it personally or do you somehow figure out a way to, you know, kind of like offset the, you know, the negativity or the criticism and just, try to keep an open mind and try to power through it. Like what's your personality like when it comes to things like that? Yeah. I, uh, one thing I don't do is take myself too serious. Right. I know I'm not perfect. I know other people have opinions, whether they're good or bad of, of Greg Buckner. I, you know, the tough part would probably be that, you know, my wife and kids are not part of my decisions at work. You know what I mean? A lot of times, like I, I've been a part of coaching staffs in the past where, We've had to make decisions that the rest of the world didn't know we had to make because it was for the greater good of the future of the team, not the current team, the future of the team. So meaning you had to do things to try to get a higher draft pick and stuff like that. Or, you know, you put yourself in a situation where you had to win this game or where if you won this game, it didn't look good for you in uh, down the road, you know, I mean, things like that. So. I understand the backside of what goes on in coaching and professional sports. Uh, so all I do is, you know, I'm a big laugh guy. You know, I got these laugh lines. These are not wrinkles. These are laugh lines. You know what I mean? So I laugh all the time. And somebody saying something that they don't have a clue what is going on, I just laugh. And if somebody says something that they do have a clue, I still laugh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like yeah, it, right. it's a game. You know what I mean? It's a game. You know what I mean? Like, you know, as you get older and, you, you know, I'm getting older and some of my friends are dying. You know, you see in people you looked up to that are, are dying. You see an entertainer that you're like, man, I remember when he was just a kid in Lion King or whatever. And, and he died. You know what I mean? So it's like, we're on this world, we're on this earth for a very short period of time. Even if you live a hundred years, it's still a short period of time. And, you know, 
don't allow somebody's negativity to steal your joy. I mean, I'm not gonna let anybody steal my joy because I love to laugh. I love to be happy. And because somebody criticizes me or because somebody don't like me or somebody doesn't like the job I'm doing, so be it. They got a job to do. I got a job to do. One of my jobs is to be happy. Yeah, and and the key to relationship building too is that it it should be a process that you know people enjoy and that brings you know happiness, right? I mean, you know, being around people who you know make you feel good, who believe in you, who have you know confidence um, and trust in you. And you're right, you know, we've been, and maybe it's just the way that the media world is, you know, twenty four seven social media. And, you know, just constantly hearing about, you know, who passed away today or, you know, who's not feeling well, you know, who's sick. Right. And, you know, you want to hear more happy stories, obviously. Right. But what dominates the news cycle, unfortunately, are, you know, people's, you know, deaths or, you know, catastrophes or, you know, what right, hurricane right. or what blizzard and all that. So, you know, do you ever have conversations with your a team, you know, outside of basketball, did they ever come to you uh, for advice or did they ever share with you, Hey, I saw this in the news. Like what were your, what was your reaction to this? Or, you know, this is what I'm feeling about this situation. Do you ever have conversations with your players like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, these guys are so big and, and things like that. And they've, you know, they've been alpha dogs their whole life. Um, and for the most part, they've always ask and look for advice from their coaches and 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 they you know if you build that relationship with them and you know you know i'll laugh with you i'm hard with you i'm firm on you and making sure that you do things the right way but i gotta talk to you every day to build that relationship right in order for you to trust me in order for me to trust you in order for me to get to know you and vice versa I, i think my job on this earth is to make this earth a better place um than it was before I got here. So me making my coaches and coaches that's under me, better coaches, better men, better women. If we ever, you know, had women on our staff, you know, in the game of basketball. And then, you know, if I'm older than you, I want to mentor you to be a better person off the court. And same things with these guys, you know, they see what's going on with snowstorms that, you know, I may have lived in one. And it's like, yeah, fuck, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Like boom, boom, boom. Then a lot of times we sit down and we have a, 30, 45 minute conversation after practice. And, you know, the gym's empty. It's just me and a couple guys laughing and cracking jokes and talking about those things is what's going on in the world. So you have to do those things in order to build great relationships in order for each other to trust each other when it really gets tough, right? In the playoffs, game seven, you're on the road in Milwaukee. You know, we got to, you know, be really tight or we're going to get blown out the doors and the crowd's going to go crazy and they're going to go into the next round. And if we build these relationships and understand what each one each one of us are thinking, it only makes us better. You know, what I mean, me and JB, we've been together for so long. He's coached me, and now I've been coaching with him for ten years now. And you know, we just look at each other now because we spent so much time and built an unbelievable relationship and an unbelievable bond with each other that we just look at each other and know what each other's thinking. And he'll make a move, and I'll be like, "We need to do this," and he'll do that, and he'll look at me, "Should I do that?" And I'm like, "Yeah, we should do that." You know, it's just like. And I think that's something you only only happens when you build those relationships, spend time with each other. Definitely, definitely. And you know, you talk about you know your relationship with you know JB Bickerstaff and uh, Coach Harris. Uh, you know, introduced me to his father, uh, Bernie Bickerstaff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was communicating with him via email uh, last year at this time, and you know that's so wonderful to see you know his his son become a head coach. You know, talk to me about the relationship you have with JB and um, his father, uh, Bernie Bickerstaff. Yeah, well, Bernie, we call him Pops, right? So we Pops is around all the time right now. You know, when we, before I came to Houston, I mean, I'm sorry, before I came to Cleveland, I, we would see Pops on the road. We would eat, eat with Pops because he was scouting for other NBA teams and he, you know, make a schedule where he could be some be with us and be around us sometimes. So he's unbelievable, unbelievable brain, you know, not just basketball, but you know, he's from Kentucky like I am. So, so we got that bond of old country boys that made it um, at the highest level that nobody ever thought we could make it. You know what I mean? So we got that bond, but he's always challenging us, myself and JB and even the rest of the guys on the staff, but specifically us two, because we probably, 
uh, spend the most time with him. Um, and just telling us, that, okay, this is the way we did things back in the day. Think about this, but put your twist on it. You know, don't do it exactly the same way we did it, but this way it worked. But I know the game has changed, but put your twist on it. But think about this and all those things. And, and then, it, you know, if we mess up, you're like, yo, some dummies. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> we look like, Bob's, the game has passed you by, but, you know, 100% it has not. You know what I mean? Because he's still, I mean, we, we me and JB and, and Coach, Will be in the office, and and I mean, I mean, it's college basketball, high school basketball, is NBA. He is still watching it, you know what I mean? And he's, I think he's almost eighty right now. He's still watching it, and and man, JB looking like man, turn the basketball off, you know what I mean? We were just talking about this, but he still watches it, so he's really important uh, and, and really important to our success of challenging us and giving us that knowledge of, you know, I mean, I get Coach Bernie's probably been in the league now sixty years almost, you know what I mean? Fifty-five, sure. I think, yeah, so. It's nothing he hasn't seen, you know what I mean? So we'd be fools not to pick his brain and, and accept all the wisdom that he gives us. And, you know, man, JB, I mean, his kids call me uncle. My kids call him uncle. And same thing with our wives. So it's just we're like brothers now. We've really spent so much time with each other, and we're like brothers. We're not like – I'm not like working – obviously, I work for JB, but I'm not – we don't have that type of relationship. Our relationship is a brother bond who we can say anything to each other and not get sensitive and understand – now. We won't disrespect each other <laughs> by any means, especially in front of others. Then we, we might have heated conversation within each other, but it's all for the betterment of each other, uh, the betterment of our relationship, the betterment for the team. And, and we both know that we're both competitive, fiery people that wants to win at all costs, and 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 we'll do whatever it takes to have each other's back. And it's it's one of those special bonds. And you know, people say, man, you're going to be head coach one day. And it's like, what you going to do when you got to leave JB? And what JB going to do when you leave him? You know what I mean? Because <laughs> it's like, you, you know, we've been together so long. It's like, you see JB, you see Buck, vice versa. And uh, they understand that we're a dynamic duo and we do things together and we try to do things the right way and one day hopefully win a championship together. Yeah, that would be amazing. And I so hope that you and JB and your team, you know, win an NBA championship. Get them in a championship. That'd be even better. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I mean, how do you think that would feel if you beat him in a championship? I mean, that would be bittersweet, yeah. wouldn't it be? It would definitely be bittersweet. Uh, but I do think, you know, and it's just uh, obviously I'm very biased to this. I do think JB will win a championship as a head coach. And, you know, I, I know when I become a head coach, I'm going to win a championship. So, <laughs> so I know both of us, I think both of us will win a championship. So if I beat him, it would be the best thing. Uh, ever because if he beats me, I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> so, like, if that happened, I think both of our families would be ecstatic and be joyful. I think both of us would still get to celebrate uh, uh, the other's success, regardless of who won that championship. And if I won the championship, I'd send him a ring and say, Congratulations to <laughs> yeah, I'm. <laughs> well, that would be like the ultimate, uh, yeah, you know, gift right there. You gotta yeah. do it around the holidays, right? Right, right. There you go. <laughs> and you talk about wanting to, you know, maybe one day coach in college. I mean, would you ever want to coach for your alma mater? And you know, you typically, when you see, you know, when people become coaches, I mean, they, you know, you know, get people from different parts of their life, you know who was on their high school team, who played with them in college, who was their, you know, assistant, you know, in, in on an NBA team. I mean, would that be like the ultimate goal for you to coach your alma mater? Uh, it, it's, it's always probably been my dream job. I'm now, right now, we got a good coach with Coach Bramell, but if he ever was to step away, I'd love to have opportunity, at the very least, interview and and let those guys know what we want to do with the program. Because I think Clemson is definitely a sleeping giant. I think it could be a national championship type uh, program. If, if Baylor can do it and Virginia can do it, why not Clemson? I mean, they're not Duke and Carolina and Kentucky and those things. So in Kansas and the UCLA. So I do think that would be something special uh, that if I could ever get a chance to coach in college, it, it would, that would be the only place in college that, I would say I would coach. You know, I mean, I'm not coaching at Missouri now. I know if Duke or North Carolina or somebody like that called, now I'd be a fool not to look. But, uh, but you know, they normally do things in house, which is understandable with their success and the people they have uh, within their coaching ranks and the coaching trees at those places. It would be special to have somebody come back to get those jobs. So 
But if I ever had opportunity to coach in college, it'd be Clemson. That'd be the only place I'd go and do my damnedest to try to help us win multiple championships like Dabo has done in football. Definitely. And when you were at uh, Clemson, uh, Coach Rick Barnes was your coach. Mm-hmm. Talk about your relationship with him. Yeah, I mean, our relationship, it was good. I mean, I don't know where I'd be without Rick Barnes. Uh, you know, he I got to got to college as a, as a young very, very immature kid. Very thought the world revolved around me. And Coach Bourne stopped that ASAP. <laughs> yeah, like the first day. He, he let me know it's not gonna be that way. Uh but but you're gonna be better for it if you do things the right way and you continue to strive to be better on and off the court and in the classroom and in the community and things like that. So that relationship while I was there was amazing. A lot of people that I played with can't stand Rick. Uh-huh. But because they couldn't understand what Rick was trying to do. And and I understood that at a young, young uh, time in college that I didn't want to have to deal with Rick's wrath. So I'm going to do things the right way. <laughs> Other guys took a, a long, a longer approach, a bad approach about it and it got them in trouble. And some of them had to transfer because they couldn't handle it. But Rick was amazing to me when I played. And we, we, we talk uh, not as much as I probably like to uh, as a, as a, an adult, but we're both coaches and we're both busy and he has grandkids and I have kids. It's always on the go. So, you know, you, you know, you're going to, I'm going to hate it when those days come when you can't talk to him. But, uh, so I should definitely spend more time with him and around him, getting his knowledge on the basketball court and seeing what he does off the court as well, because uh, he's an unbelievable man and he, he knows how to be successful. Well, hopefully you'll be able to reconnect with, you know, coach Barnes. And I'm so glad that, you know, for a gentleman like you who has now been a coach and, you know, was a former player and that you think fondly on your times at Clemson. Oh, absolutely. Best time of my life, man. I mean, I, I brainwashed my kids. I mean, Clemson, Clemson, Clemson. And, you know, just this last week, uh, Clemson actually called my son, you know, and talked about him, you know, possibly coming there. So it, unbelievable time. I'd send any, any person I know, I'd tell them, go to Clemson, go to Clemson, because I just think it's an amazing place, amazing people. Uh, great environment for sports, great environment for education where those teachers really care about you. You know, I'm pretty sure everybody feels that way about their alma mater, but I really do live and bleed Clemson Orange for sure. Yeah, definitely. And one of my previous guests was Richard Yergin, uh the third, and he uh, was a two-time national champion champion with uh, Clemson played for Dabo Sweeney. And he spoke very highly of Clemson as well. And um, when I was at the university of North Carolina, I mean, it was an ACC school as well. So, you know, yeah. I remember all those years, you know, being a student and since, you know, you great, great, um, you know, games played in football, basketball and other sports. So it's yeah. great to, you know, interview with you and a fellow you know, ACC guy. <laughs> sure. But thank you so much for, you know, your time with me today. I really enjoyed our conversation. Before we depart from our interview, any last words that you might have about relationship building that you would love the audience to know about? Yeah, I, I mean, first, thank you for having me. It was an, uh, an amazing time this last hour. I mean, I can't believe it's been an hour already. So it's, it's an <laughs> amazing time. It was a lot of fun. So thank you for that. I think, you know, other than go Tigers, <laughs> to your audience, <laughs> I, I think, you know, when it comes to relationship building, everybody must understand that it's, it's about the bigger picture, right? It's not about you only, and you have to understand that it's about you being a small piece of the success of their whole team. So how do you do that, right? You have to be selfless. You have to be able to communicate with each other. You have to spend time with each other. You have to be willing to understand the other side. You know, I mean, not too many times like you know, people that are has been successful is my way or no way. And then, you know, it's better ways. I mean, no matter how long you've been in the situation, there's still other ways and it could be a better way for the the, the betterment of the entire group. Uh, so I would just say, you know, be selfless, listen uh, first and, and then have those communications and then, you know, spend time with each other uh, so you can see who people really are and see what really makes people tick. And how do you get the best out of each other? How do you challenge each other to become better? Um, and if both of you, both sides are better, if everybody within the organization or within the team is better, and that relationship is stronger, that bond is uh, stronger, that means there's going to be a higher rate of success and everybody's going to be able to enjoy and laugh and, and have a good time.
Well, wonderful words of wisdom. Very heartfelt. Thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate it. Coach Buckner, I wish you all the best in the new year. Happy almost 2023. Uh, Hope uh, the season continues to go well with the Cavaliers. You're doing a phenomenal job. Great job. So glad that you've built so many you know, lifelong relationships and that you can, you know, think back and you even communicate with people from, you know, different parts of your life as a former player, a college player. And this has been wonderful. I really enjoyed the hour too. It's got, went by so fast, but really. Right, enjoyed. Right. And thank you for joining me today on the Wave Capitals guest speaker series on relationship building in a team environment. God bless and let's stay in touch. Uh, for sure, for sure. sure. Yeah, absolutely. Appreciate it. And have a uh, same to all, all those wonderful things you said about me. Same to you. And enjoy your day and stay out of trouble. And sorry that Carolina lost the bowl game. Yeah, no, I, I, I <laughs> we're, we were we were up in that game, and I don't know yeah, what happened. Uh, I, I, we went and played the game, came back and say like, Carolina lost. What is going on? I want that. I think it's the Capital Bowl Series trophy. I want the ACC to win that. You know, what I mean? like we need everybody to win. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's, you know, when the ACC does well and plays well, doesn't matter if it's not your team. Um, right. You know, when Clemson wins, it's great for the ACC, you know, especially yeah. in football. Yeah. You know, I, I hope to see, you know, your alma mater that you guys get to win a national championship in basketball. That would be that would be exciting. Um, yeah. But, yeah, no, I, I it's unfortunate that Carolina lost. Yeah. I, 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 I pray that uh, – we, you know, we at least win 10 games next year. Right, right, for sure. Yeah, you got, you got a good coach and you got a good quarterback. Things will be good. Uh, I mean, Miami's definitely going to be better. Florida State's going to be better. But we, I always fear Carolina right now with, you know, Mac Brown being over there and then that nice little young quarterback. You got some bright future over there for sure. Definitely, and definitely. And, you know, congrats on, you know, the ACC championship game win yeah, uh, this yeah. year. I mean, it was – you know, a phenomenal win for you guys. And I wish Carolina wasn't on the losing end, but I'm so glad that, you know, professionalism and relationship building at its best, you know, Mac Brown and Davos when you have a great relationship, yeah. you know, yeah. off the field. So it, it's all good. Yeah. All right, brother. Thanks again. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much, Greg. I really appreciate it. You take care and we'll talk soon. All right. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye.